You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is time once again for Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. This one on Wednesday. Which which date is this? Is this March the 11th that we're talking about? Yeah, I think it's March the 11th on a Wednesday, a hump day, daybreak. Uh, Travis Ryer, I do know that. That is my name. Senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Joined on this very special edition by Charlie Potter, Alabama team reporter and team insider of note. In fact, Charlie Potter, you probably didn't realize this, soon to be marathoner. Charlie Potter. I bet you didn't know that about Charlie Potter, a road racer of some note. What about it, Charlie? Where are you at in the training for this uh, this half marathon you got coming up? Uh, not where I need to be. I know that. <laughs> um, this will be my second one, and I said I was never going to run another one after the first, but the mm-hmm. wife talked me into it. It helps this in Tuscaloosa, so you don't have to travel for it. But um, I had a sinus infection for about a week and a half almost two weeks and that that knocked me off of what little training I was already doing so this is going to be um this is going to be an event um it'll be a miracle I guess if I can get through it without dying and the the beauty of it is it's here in Tuscaloosa the day before what should be a scrimmage for Alabama football so it'll be a fun fun Saturday field uh day for me recovery day for Charlie Potter coming off that half marathon, just do like we used to do in fifth grade. You know, they'd let us do that run walk thing. Oh yeah. Just maybe run a little bit, walk a little bit. You know, as long as you get the certificate at the end, no one knows the difference, Charlie, you know, just as long as you kind of trot the last 50 yards or so, everybody thinks you ran the whole thing. You know, that's all that, that's all that really matters. We got a lot to get to on this edition of daybreak we've got some alabama baseball to talk about on the heels of the crimson tide's latest win on tuesday night a game that you really wondered whether or not they'd even get it in over in birmingham uh at regions field home of the birmingham barons alabama taking care of business once again against the host team the uab blazers we're going to talk some alabama men's basketball i understand a lot of you people are probably over this season already going into the SEC tournament up in Nashville, Tennessee, but we're going to still preview Alabama, Tennessee in that 8-9 matchup set for Thursday up there in the Music City. And of course, we're going to get into some Alabama football with spring drill set to get underway on Friday afternoon. Maybe some position battles. Folks love that, Charlie, when you start talking about position battles but first Alabama baseball and look heading into SEC play Charlie I don't know if Brad Bohannon could have drawn it up any better than to be 16 and 1 through 17 games had a couple of games postponed by weather but this latest victory on Tuesday night over in Birmingham the big bats come out once again it seems like we talk about a lot of the same guys all the throughout this lineup you're seeing some good things but at the end of the day Sam Prater more power on Tuesday in that win. Owen Diodati, the true freshman who continues to uh, perform at a very high level offensively. Uh, what about it, Charlie? This team was picked seventh in the preseason in the SEC West. I got to think 
it's trending a little bit higher than most people expected at this point. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I get why people voted Alabama to finish dead last in the SEC, but you could tell just the way that Brad Bohan has been talking about this team of of how he believes that he has an SEC contending roster, and it's come to fruition so far in the, the early portions of this season. And they're sixteen and one. I mean, they were. You could see a realistic option or outcome for them to be uh, undefeated entering SEC play this weekend, but um, you know they've they've played well. They've answered some adversity. I still think they want to see uh, some improvement maybe from their pitching staff, but the offense, uh, when it's clicking, it, it really is um, dangerous. And you mentioned Prater. I think they're really uh, happy to have him back in the lineup after he was uh, out for most of the season with an injury last year. Owen Diodati's been a stud for them as a true freshman. Uh, Tyler Gentry has been really consistent. And I think one of the guys that was really a stud last year for them, TJ Reeves, he's been kind of inconsistent this year, but he seems to be waking up a little bit here as his SEC play uh, you know, comes on the horizon. And, and if you can add him to that lineup with what they're already doing with some of their young guys, I mean, uh, Alabama becomes a dangerous team. And we've seen what um, their Friday starter, Connor Prelip, can do on the mound. He's been lights out all season long. So I think this will be a fun team to watch. But, you know, we're, we've reached the point now where we'll really learn, uh, you know, what this team is capable of and, and see if this excitement that Brad Bohannon's had since the fall uh, is real. Um, I think that, you know, you, you look at it and I, I think that, they can make some noise. I'm not saying they're going to go out and, and win the SEC, but I think they're going to be contending for games where that wasn't really the case before. So I think you know Alabama fans have been excited, and I think they'll have you know more reason to be now that SEC plays here. Are you buying this weekend pitching with what Connor Prelip and Antoine John, specifically a couple of newcomers as freshmen, have been able to do on the weekend? Understanding the stakes go up considerably as soon as you get into SEC play, even with Missouri, a team to pick sixth, pick the finish sixth, and the SEC East coming in here this weekend. I mean, Prelip's been lights out, and we can talk about competition and things like that, uh, but those bookend starters with Shamblin there in the middle, um, do you think this weekend staff's legit, Charlie? Have you seen enough, I guess, is what I'm asking at this point. I think it is. Um, obviously, things are going to change in SEC play, and they're going to face a lot tougher competition. But uh, you know, Prelip has been as advertised, if not better. And then I think Antoine Jean's really coming to his own. Uh, I think they've been, you know, even more consistent sometimes than Shamblin, who's the the veteran of the group, even though he's only a sophomore. Uh, I think he's a talented pitcher in his own right. So um, I think they they feel pretty comfortable. Um, you still want to see more. You want to see them go against uh, the the best competition in the country, and they're going to. An SEC play, but um, as of right now, yeah, I think those guys, those young guys, have answered the bell, and I think that Brad Bohannon and his staff have to be feeling pretty good about them. Even in midweek games where you typically see a little bit of a dip, I think it speaks to the depth in both areas of this team, pitching and just in terms of your position players, that Alabama's been able to sustain this kind of streak. And, you, again, you can talk about who you see in midweek and even on the weekends uh, for this team. Uh, but to, to have that kind of run of winning 16 out of 17 to start a season, uh, that tells me guys like Peyton Wilson uh, is, a, is kind of a, you know, a utility player a little bit, can play some center field, can play – Behind the plate as a catcher, uh, obviously the younger brother of John Parker and, and Ross Wilson, uh, who have been through the University of Alabama Athletic Department. Um, 
depth-wise for this team over the course of a season? Do you see that as maybe an upgrade for for Alabama over previous years? Yeah, I think so. And that I think that a lot of that has to do with what uh, Bad Bohan and his staff have done from a recruiting aspect. They've gone and got out. They've they've gone out and got um, a lot of young talent, but they've also got some some older guys that have been transfers. Uh, you know, you look at a guy you mentioned utility. Look at a guy like Brent Auerbach and what he's been able to do. He's been playing all over the yeah. field. I don't think it'll be too long until he's played every defensive position he can. So, uh, yeah, I think the depth is much better. I don't think, you know, necessarily the offense is what they've been worried about. I think they have depth from a pitching perspective. They just don't have a lot of experience. And um, they've they've gained that in this early portion. We'll see if they uh, can build on that in SEC play. Because, and this is, we've reached the point in the season now that we've been talking about for months is we'll learn everything we need to know about this team. Maybe not this weekend, because like you said, I mean, Missouri's not uh, the cream of the crop, but it's still uh, an SEC team. And you know, to go out and potentially win a, a season or a, a SEC play opening series, that would be really big for Alabama entering the rest of conference play. Yeah, if it's not necessarily this weekend against a Missouri team that's ineligible for postseason play. So if you're Alabama, if you can get a sweep this weekend or at least win the series, then you can root for Missouri to screw up everybody else's season as it moves <laughs> along because Missouri's not eligible for the SEC tournament, which means Alabama needs to just finish 12th in the SEC uh, this season to uh, qualify overall for a spot in Hoover, something it hasn't done the last couple of years. But that that series at Arkansas the weekend after this, it, that, that'll that'll tell you a good bit more, I think, when you go to Baum Stadium and take on one of the nation's very best programs in the Arkansas Razorbacks. So let's talk some men's basketball, Charlie. Uh, first of all, we need to kind of put a wrap on what we saw last week, a home loss to Vanderbilt followed up by a, a dud, especially in the final stages of that loss to Missouri. Is there any reason going into this matchup with Tennessee on Thursday at the SEC tournament that Alabama fans should expect something different than what we've seen here down the stretch from an Alabama team that has dropped seven of its last 11 uh, in regular season play. Yeah, it's tough, I know, for fans to get excited. Um, But you look at it, uh, Alabama lost to this Tennessee team in Tuscaloosa. So that was one of those games I think they wish they had back. It was a a narrow loss uh, by one point. I know they'll be going up to Tennessee, but it's not like they're going to Knoxville. No. They'll have Herb Jones on the floor. He wasn't in this game the last time these two teams played. And you're talking with Nate Oates yesterday. Um, yeah, it sounds like John Petty's playing a lot better. Um, he's shooting the ball a lot better after coming off of that um, you know, hyperextended elbow. And that's something we didn't see in that Missouri game. He wasn't really a factor. So I know those last two games were really disappointing. Um, you know, probably none more to, uh, to anybody else than, than Nate Oates. You can tell he's frustrated. He's a competitor. He likes to win. And that hasn't been the case of late. And, um, you know, he's really been preaching effort. And he's already looking ahead to, you know, he's, well, he's been asked about it. He's not just coming out and saying it. But, you know, asked specifically about, you know, how you evaluate individual players after the season. And, He's saying you're going to look at that effort. That's a key point of it. And if you're not playing with enough effort for them to win games, then there might not be a spot for you. So um, I imagine that they'll come out with a little bit better effort in in Nashville. Um, would it shock me to see them win or lose this game either way? I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but you got to figure that having you know Herb Jones in this game makes a little bit of a difference. Having a, a more healthy 
Um, John Petty makes a little bit of difference. And if they can get some kind of semblance uh, of an interior or a low post game from guys like Alex Reese and Javian Davis and Galen Smith, then, then they can have a chance because Tennessee's length is a problem. But I understand the, the frustrations. Um, you know, I've, I've watched this basketball team for uh, several years now, going back to the Anthony Grant era, and it's kind of just been the same thing. It's that roller coaster ride at the end of the season, and it always kind of falls off the, the uh, rails a little bit. But um, I, it wouldn't shock me to see them beat Tennessee. Now, I mean, obviously everybody knows what they have after the Vols. It's going to be Kentucky. But, um, you know, if Alabama plays the way it's capable of playing and the way it showed it was, it was capable of playing earlier in the year, they can win, but uh, I think if they keep up what they've been doing and um, if they have another offensive wall like they did at Missouri, they don't really have much of a chance. You mentioned it, the lone meeting between Alabama and Tennessee in the regular season. The Vols walked out of Coleman Coliseum with a 69-68 to win. Alabama in that game was actually plus nine in three-pointers made. Made nine, I made 11 to Tennessee's just two, but 20 turnovers from Alabama helped the Vols to a seven-point advantage in points off turnovers. And more importantly, Tennessee on the road in that game, Charlie, got to the free throw line here in Tuscaloosa 32 times, making 23 of those. Alabama, on the other hand, just five trips to the free throw line and made five of those attempts. So plus 18 for the balls here in Tuscaloosa from the charity stripe, that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Is it, is it too simple to think that this is really a game in which, you know, Alabama will be expected to be kind of hammered in the paint and perhaps on the backboards, but perhaps as we sort of pointed out there, Tennessee just two of 18 from three here in Tuscaloosa a month ago, it's there where Alabama might be able to win this basketball game. If, if John Petty is truly feeling like his old self and, and can join Kyra Lewis and uh, Jaden Shackelford and perhaps get that three-point number even into the mid-teens, is, is that how this sort of has to play out, in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. And um, I think they're going to want to try to bounce back after what they did uh, at Missouri. I mean, they scored 50 points, and that's uh, a snail's pace of what they we've seen from this team all season long. I mean, they haven't scored. Alabama hasn't scored that few points since 2017 um, when they lost to Texas uh, back in December. So um, I think that that's where they're going to, they, they know they can be successful. I think that's where they're going to try to score. They're also going to try to be aggressive, uh, I think, and, and try to get to the, the basket because like you said in that last meeting, they didn't get enough trips to the free throw line. So if you don't have an open shot, drive the lane and try to either, you know, get an easy bucket or go to the free throw line. And uh, I think that you're going to have to get more from guys that aren't named Kyra Lewis and, and Jaden Shackelford. They've been your two most consistent scorers here of late. Um, I think, you know, John Petty, if he's shooting the ball well, uh, that'll be really big for Alabama. They're going to need some kind of uh, offensive game from, from Alex Reese. And uh, I think if Beetle Bolton can continue to give them good minutes off the bench, uh, that'll help. So I, yeah, I agree. That's where, Alabama needs to, to attack. That's where they need to be aggressive. Um, and when that's not open, you know, drive the lane and try to, try to get to the free throw line. So I think those would be two key points of emphasis, emphasis for this team uh, going into Nashville. Yeah, you got to think perhaps the top two defensive players in all the SEC going to be on display on Thursday. Eves Ponds of Tennessee takes the Defensive Player of the Year award on Tuesday from the league coaches, as we had league honors revealed uh, 
on Tuesday. Uh, were you a little surprised by that? I guess Herbert Jones, as great as he's been, there have been the injury issues, the time off the floor. And if you remember that meeting, too, here in Tuscaloosa, Eves Ponds was a real factor at the rim defensively in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it all dictates on, on Herb missing so much time and being limited by that one hand. I mean, everybody knows what he did against LSU, the heroics he had. And I think he's, you know, if he was left off the all-defensive team, I think there would have been a riot. But, um, yeah, just because he missed so much time and was limited in most of the games he was able to play after that, uh, it makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, um, it, having him in this game I think is important. Uh, we've seen what he can do with one hand and, and take games over maybe sometimes on the glass. And playing against a team like Tennessee who's going to, you know, out – size Alabama on the court I mean having a guy like him is is really important and you know we'll see what the the cast looks like I mean there's three versions of it he started with the most restrictive he's kind of graduated to one that's a little less restrictive and if he's able to do that and give some kind of offensive semblance that'll help too but yeah I mean both of those guys are really talented Um, they're going to be important for this game and um, yeah, I think that seeing whatever what Pons was able to do in, in Tuscaloosa, it's not really surprised that he gets that nod there from the league coaches. Yeah, regardless of what happens up in Nashville Thursday, there will be football practice, or at least uh, that's <laughs> the expectation on Friday here in Tuscaloosa as the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide returns to workouts, uh, this time with a Baker's dozen of early enrollees. Although we did see Jaquez Robinson, the corner. Um, maybe I'm missing another guy, too. But I recall seeing Robinson for sure in a couple of bowl practices back in December. But among the items that we'll certainly be honed in on Friday, Charlie, uh, early enrollees, practice attendees in general, uh, because that also includes perhaps some injury updates on a number of players, maybe some attrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got guys like Trey Sanders, LeBron Ray, Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan that we know are, are coming off some, some injuries of note. Uh, that's where it starts, right? When you walk in there Friday, just kind of getting a feel for exactly who's out there. And maybe even a guy like Markel Benton, the veteran inside linebacker, and whether or not he's still involved with this team. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've already started like a checklist for practice because that first day is always just so overwhelming because there's there's so much to look for. And uh, especially coming off this past season where Alabama had so many injuries, you, you named all the guys. Those would be who we're looking for. Uh, you look at also guys like um, you know DJ Dale. He's a guy that wasn't able to finish out this season because of that knee injury. Um, I'll be really interested to see just – some of the guys and where they're at, maybe if they're in new spots, uh, you're always going to be looking at the the new players and, you know, everyone's going to want to get picture and video of Bryce Young. I understand that. Uh, and then you also got some new faces out there on the coaching staff, guys like Freddie Roach and you know, David Ballou. I don't, I'm not sure how much Matt Ray will be on the field, but I'm sure he'll be out there in some capacity. I, I, it will probably be a little more quiet on the practice field, not having Scott <laughs> Cochran out there. And, uh, you know, Brian Baker could be hurt at times too. So, um, that'll be interesting, but there's, there's just a lot to look for, whether it's guys in new places, guys that are absent. Cause yeah, whenever Alabama updated the roster, just a quick scan of it, both Markel Benton and Scooby Carter, who's in the transfer portal, went on there. And, and Benton's a guy that, you know, whether on purpose or not was taken off the roster, uh, momentarily earlier this year. And now he hasn't been replaced since they've updated the roster. Uh, he was, he was missing uh, from the updated one and, and he hasn't been put back on there. So we'll, We'll see if he's out there and 
you mentioned it. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more here in a second. But those position battles, just how are things looking on that first day? Where are guys in the pecking order? Maybe you know who's leading the position lines and things like that. There's there's just so much to look for on that first day of practice that um, it it kind of sucks that you go from that to having several days off before the next practice on March 23rd. Yeah, and we can start in the secondary because there are so many roles that are up for grabs, not just in terms of corner and a couple of the safety positions but you know who steps up at star who steps up at money in some instances it may be uh, a guy that's handling multiple roles that's certainly what we've seen uh, in the past whether it was Xavier McKinney last year we've seen corners drop into that star position and nickel and dime packages and also right Based on how the numbers sort of shake out between corner and safety, is there some experimentation possibly with a corner going to safety or, you know, just the different ways in which they use personnel back there? No, I mean, it's it'll be really interesting how the secondary looks because that position group was hit the hardest from just attrition in the offseason with guys either running out of eligibility um, you know, it declaring for the draft or guys hitting the transfer portal. We've already mentioned Scooby Carter. So uh, Alabama's going to enter the spring with four safeties, four true safeties. And, um, you know, a couple of those guys have played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, Daniel Wright's been used in some first team uh, situations at times. He was a guy that played in place of, of Jared Maiden last year and Maiden missed a game with an injury. And uh, Jordan Battle, you know, played a lot as a true freshman. I expect those two guys to be at the front of that group. But then, you know, behind them is only DeMarco Ellums and, and Eddie Smith. So I'll be really interested to see if maybe one of those corners moves over because Alabama has seven corners. And, they, you know, you could possibly see a guy like a Chedarius Townsend who's listed as a wide receiver. Maybe he works at wide receiver and corner in the spring. We've seen him kind of do that before. Uh, so they have some guys they can move around as options. Uh, but they're going to have to replace a lot of bodies. You don't have Xavier McKinney anymore. You don't have Jared Baden. You don't have Trayvon Diggs. You don't have Shaheem Carter. Those guys that have kind of been uh, fixtures back there for the past couple of seasons, if not more, uh, they're not there anymore. The, the oldest guy is going to be Patrick Sertan, who's a true junior. He's the most experienced player in your secondary. He's not necessarily the loudest person, so they're going to have to have guys step up from a leadership standpoint as well. So I think the secondary for me is one of the more interesting uh, position groups just because there's just not a lot of bodies and not a lot of proven bodies back there. And they're going to be, um, you know, one of the positions I think that's going to have to step up in a, in a lot of ways this spring, no doubt. An area of potential experimentation, as Nick Saban likes to refer to it. He doesn't like it just called an outright position change, experimentation, you know, working with <laughs> some different guys, maybe in some different spots. And you talk about linebacker. 13 early enrollees, Charlie, five of those guys between the inside and outside linebacker positions. Obviously, a lot of attention paid to the recoveries by Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan. Both of those guys going down, as we know, with knee injuries in the preseason last August. Where are they at in terms of their clearance and what they're allowed to do and, and how much they're pushed in the spring? But you know, with that sort of potential scenario, you still expect to see a lot of Shane Lee, a lot of Christian Harris. But, man, on the outside, it just feels like everything is up for grabs. But, you know, uh, those five freshman linebackers, three of those guys outside, a couple of them, Des Moines Kennedy, Jackson Bratton, I'm thinking are going to be inside. Uh, that's going to be a lot to take in, too. It is. And, you know, what we saw from the secondary last year, where it was probably the most experienced group, the deepest group, 
that kind of shifted now to the the linebacker core. And I know you mentioned the outside linebackers. There's not a lot of proven uh, depth there, but they have eight capable bodies. Guys like Christopher Allen, he should be kind of at the front of that line, and he should walk down one of the positions you would think. But those young guys are going to compete. And uh, I think that Drew Sanders, Will Anderson, uh, Chris Braswell, they're coming in, and they're going to have an opportunity because uh, I think a guy like King Makuta, an outside linebacker, is someone to watch this spring. You know, there was certainly some buzz surrounded his name at the end of last season. I think he could compete for a starting job. But those young guys, I don't think they're going to make it easy for the guys that are returning. So guys like Ben Davis, Trez Parks, uh, Kevin Harris, they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's if they don't want to be passed up by a true freshman. And then the inside linebacker position, we've talked about it in the last couple of years. I mean, it's been one of the thinner groups on the entire roster. And now it's just it's, it's a wealth of, of depth, even with the possibility of, of Markel Benton not being there. And I don't really anticipate seeing him on Friday to begin with. So with Dylan Moses coming back, you want to see how healthy he is. Maybe if he's just, you know, uh, fully capable of going through drills, if he's limited uh, a little bit, same goes for, for Josh McMillan. And I think that you got to anticipate that if healthy, Dylan Moses is your starting Mike linebacker. I mean, that's just, he, he's going to be a preseason all American He's a guy that could have been a first-round draft pick had he entered the draft. you got to factor him in that defense. But for me, one of the more interesting um, position battles in, of the entire spring is what happens opposite him at will because Alabama has yeah. a lot of uh, options there, whether it's do you give Josh McMillan an opportunity as a six-year senior? Do you plug in one of those guys that, that started as true freshman, freshman last year? Does a guy like Ali Cajo uh, finally take that step forward? So they, they have a lot of options there, and, and that for me will be – one of the more, maybe probably one of the top two or three uh, aspects of this team that I'll be looking forward to seeing how it plays out this spring. It just seems like Christian Harris might be tough to keep off the field, and that's with all due agree, respect. Yeah. And being almost a borderline fan of Josh McMillan at this point, for everything that guy has been through, for the patience he's displayed, with the opportunity right in front of him back in August only to see it yanked out from under him with that knee injury. I mean, you pull for Josh McMillan. Uh, but in terms of you know where Christian Harris ended last season and where he could be uh, come August, late August, going into that season opener against USC, uh, assuming he continues to trend in a positive direction, I, you know maybe you can figure out a multitude of roles for those three guys to kind of work within. Obviously, Dylan, if he's right, he's going to be the every now guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you can work it where you need both those guys. Uh, in, in, in some different roles. Maybe Josh is your base guy. Maybe you go to Christian Harris and Nickel and some dime stuff. Um, it, it's almost like the quarterback position in some ways, although at inside linebacker, the, the luxury you have there is you could play more than one guy pretty much throughout a series. So, yeah, that's going to be very fascinating. You touched on King Wakuda on the outside. I know there's been some positive uh, statements that you've talked about from some of the previous players at that position, guys like Anthony Jennings, Terrell Lewis that have been through there. Um, but what are your expectations for these early enrollees? And that's kind of understanding that, you know, outside linebacker, maybe to some folks, seems easy enough to just step in and play, get out there, get on the edge, rush the passer. That's it. We both know there's a lot more to it than that. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Alabama's had some talented players come in uh, as freshmen, and you know, a lot of times they stick with those those older guys. Now, the luxury that these freshmen have this year is there's not really that proven uh, or proven pair coming back. It seems like that's always been the case, whether it was Anthony and Terrell, Anthony and Christian, Tim Williams and, and Ryan Anderson, Denzel Duvall and uh, Dylan Lee. Um, you know, they don't have that that proven guy there. I think Chris Allen is is in that mix and. Um, boy, wouldn't it be something if Alabama rolls into this is completely off a subject, but if they roll into Baton Rouge with Dylan Moses, Christian Harris, and Chris Allen as their linebackers, that would be uh, really interesting. But to get back on subject, um, I think those young guys are going to have an opportunity just because they don't have to beat out an experienced player. That um, they're going to be um, it's going to be tough. I think King Makuta's uh, obviously talented because of the the buzz that's been around his name. Chris Allen is a guy that's has played a little bit of football whenever he's been healthy, uh, but they don't have that uh, entrenched starter to usurp uh, in the spring and into the summer. So a guy like Will Anderson, who was uh, just on fire at the end of the, the recruiting cycle, uh, I think he's going to be a tough out. I think we'll see at least one, if not two, of these guys uh, in that mix in the rotation. And, and for me, Alabama's kind of, uh, the last couple of years, kind of stuck with that one or two or, or two or three outside linebackers and hasn't really had a rotation this year. Maybe they look to more of subbing guys in and, and getting them reps because they have a bunch of youth and, and more depth of position. So that that's going to be interesting. I think of the true freshmen, maybe outside of the quarterback's position, I think that outside linebackers where we could potentially see one of those young guys make an impression and make an impact early on as early as game one next season. Let's get over to the offensive side of the ball, and obviously so much emphasis is going to be placed on that quarterback situation with Mac Jones coming back, with Bryce Young coming in, with Talia Tonga-Vailoa in that mix, Paul Tyson also in the room. So let's get beyond quarterback, because we're going to have plenty of time to discuss that. (laughs) <laughs> What's the next area or two of the offense that's going to have your attention perhaps the most once you get beyond the the battle for the, the starting signal signal caller role? For me, I think we've, we've already mentioned inside linebacker, or I guess Will linebacker, and then clearly quarterback is going to get a lot of attention. I think the third spot for me is what happens on the offensive line. Alabama returns four starters, and all four of those guys have shown position flexibility throughout their career. Um, you know, you assume Alex Leatherwood's going to stick it at left tackle, but does Evan Neal move from left guard to right tackle now that Jedrick Wills has moved on to the NFL? Landon Dickerson's shown he could play center and guard. Uh, Deontay Brown has played both guard spots. So they have a bunch of different ways they can move guys around to get the five best players on the field. Um, you know, if, if they choose to move Neil to right tackle and then play Dickerson at left guard, you can have the spot open for maybe a Darian Dalcourt at center. If you leave Dickerson at center and just move Neil to tackle, then you have a guy like Emil Ekior could play at guard or, or maybe a Pierce Quick. Uh, so I, for me, just where everybody lines up 
uh, if we see that on day one with like a full line drill will be fascinating to me just because they have so many different avenues that they could choose to go with this. And um, they have a lot of experience coming back. They have some guys that have uh, been able to get on the field and as reserves and maybe even some, some first team reps. So I think the offensive line is set up to succeed, but just what happens with these guys and, and where they line up for me is one of the more interesting things in the entire spring. Based on what we saw a year ago at this time, and how the pecking order sort of shook out mid-rotation. Will you be surprised if John Mechie isn't the third receiver by the time we head into A-Day and perhaps even into fall camp and through fall camp? Yeah, I'd be surprised if it wasn't him, and that's why for, for me wide receiver isn't as high on the list, just because we were able to see what he was able to do last spring and, and in the A-Day game, and I know Nick Saban – um, made a fuss about that, how we make players into stars. But you could see the potential that John Mechie had as a true freshman. And then that carried over into last season. I mean, we obviously know Alabama had the four uh, really talented receivers. They had the best receiving core in the entire country. But the the fifth player they used was a true freshman, and it was Mechie. Um, you know, they used Slay Bolden quite a bit, but more as a wildcat. They had guys like Tyrell Shavers and Xavier uh, Williams who had been in the program, but Mechie was that fifth guy. So, yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if it's anybody else uh, beyond that who they start to implement as rotational pieces. Uh, I think will be interesting because I think there's another opportunity for some of those young guys that came in, guys like uh, Thayu Jones-Bell and, and Treshawn Holden. But, yeah, I mean, for me, I think your top three receivers going into the spring are going to be Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and, and John Mechie. Be interesting to see how some of those other guys come along. There in that rotation, Slade Bolden, Xavier Williams. You mentioned the two early enrollees and Tyrell Shavers, you know, kind of the forgotten guy in that class with Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III. Although there's no shame in that because uh, there would be a lot of guys that would probably take on that mantle uh, if they rode in here with those three guys. Yeah, no doubt. And I think. You know, we, we, we talked about positions like outside linebacker and, and named guys like Ben Davis and Jerez Parks. This is, you know, the, the window's closing for guys like Tyrell Shavers and Xavier uh, Williams. If, if they don't get on the field soon, they're going to be passed up by these young guys. And um, it's just kind of the nature of the beast in a place like Alabama. But, you know, now is the best time for them to kind of step up because you have guys like Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III moving on to the league and, and leaving valuable spots in that rotation. So, um, yeah, I'll really be interested to see how those older guys uh, kind of what their approach and mindset is this spring and, you know, kind of what's being said about them uh, from Nick Saban and their teammates, because a lot of times those players and, and even Saban will kind of drop hints as to, to how things are going. And uh, that's kind of what happened with Messi last year. Uh, I think it was Xavier McKinney at one point said he's just another Jalen Waddle. Well, you don't hear that about those older guys. Are, are they taking the right approach and and really taking this seriously and trying to get on the field? Or is it going to be another year where they're coming in in the fourth quarter with the backups? So, yeah, it, it's a big spring for these guys, and uh, it'll be intriguing to see how it plays out for them. Yeah, and similarly, I guess, in terms of from the rotational aspect, not so much the guy or guys at the very top, running back with Najee Harris coming back, yeah. but competition expected throughout that rotation. And, you know, the status of Trey Sanders coming back off that foot injury that cost him the 2019 season couple of early enrollees there with Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams. My guy, who I feel like is vastly under 
appreciated and Keelan Robinson to go along with Brian Robinson. So how they get carries for all those guys uh, throughout the spring will be something of particular interest too, right? It will. Yeah. I think running backs are really um, interesting group and they, they still have another one to add this summer and Kyle Edwards from Louisiana. So it's going to be a really full uh, running back group. We've seen Jerome Ford already uh, hit the transfer portal and transfer to, to Cincinnati because there's, there's a lot of mouths to feed and, and only one ball to go around. And you, you obviously know that with the season that Najee had last year, he's going to be the top dog again. But, you know, how how deep is that rotation? Well, Brian Robinson sees a, a bigger role and, and gets some more carries. Uh, it's going to be tough with a guy like Trey Sanders, who should be healthy, at least for the season. Uh, that's something that, you know, we've talked about before and you just mentioned. You know, how much is he involved early on? He was able to do some things uh, toward the end of the season. But during bowl practice down in Orlando, he didn't really do much at all. And he kind of left the field when Tua did. So, um, you know, he's a guy that. Uh, I think we'll have a lot of intrigue this spring. And, uh, yeah, Keelan Robinson, I mean, he's he's the forgotten guy a lot of the times because with all these positions, you're you're always looking at the guys coming in or the guys that weren't able to play. And I think Keelan Robinson uh, can bring an element. I think you and I have talked about this before where you look, if, if you don't want to overexert a guy like Jalen Waddle, I think Keelan Robinson would be a fantastic kickoff returner. And uh, I think that he should get some opportunities as a as a running back because he has kind of a, a different or he brings a different uh, playing style to the group. I think he could be really effective out of the backfield. But if if you just want to get these guys on the field in every way possible, Keelan Robinson could be a possible guy that uh, could could return kickoffs for you as well. So there's one of those positions, um, kind of like inside linebacker. It's deep. Uh, there's a lot of capable players and. It's going to be really intriguing to see how that rotation plays out because you know who's going to be at the top. You know Brian Robinson's going to get uh, some kind of carries. And uh, will it be you know Trey Sanders that, that gets the, the second most reps or, or what happens? I think running back with, with how that plays out will be really intriguing. I think it might be a 2015-like spring from Kenyon Drake for maybe Trey Sanders in March and April here. Remember – Kenyon came off that gruesome ankle foot injury against Ole Miss in 2014, was back in the spring, and there he was in the A-Day game running wild in a black non-contact jersey because no one could tackle him. Got to give it up for Kenyon for taking advantage of the rules there. Uh, And I agree with you. Keelan Robinson, not just in terms of his explosiveness, I like the way he runs the football. He's very decisive in how he goes about that. And that's similar to what you want in a kickoff return guy. Not so much with a punt returner where you're maybe trying to make the first two guys, first guy or two miss. You want that kickoff return guy to see it and hit it. And Keelan doesn't seem to have a problem with that, even at a little bit of a uh, undersized uh, situation that he deals with there. Hey, Charlie, looking forward to it, man. We'll be out there Friday. We'll have coverage for you of Alabama, Tennessee, and the Southeastern Conference Tournament on Thursday, and really just about anything you can think of that involves the Crimson Tide right now. Also, from a recruiting perspective, Tim Watts and also Hank South, but from the team standpoint, Charlie, myself, Kirk McNair, we got you covered there as well. Thanks a lot, Charlie. All right, man. See you on the practice field. There he goes, Charlie Potter. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for complete coverage of everything Alabama Crimson Tide. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.